Hey, rock stars, I'm JB, expert salesperson and master presenter. I'm the doctor, psychologist, and behavioral expert. This is the Entrepreneur Mastery Lab Podcast. We're high-performance coaches that help service-based professionals and entrepreneurs take their skills to the next level. 70% of entrepreneurs fail, which is why every week we have real talk with real entrepreneurs to help ensure you are not one of them. We're also the inventors of the Be Rich Mindset, where we rise to mastery, inspire greatness, celebrate knowledge, and help others along the way. So join us in the lab. And now, on to the show. Welcome back to the lab. I'm JB. I'm the doctor. If this is your first time joining us, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Make sure you like, follow, or subscribe. Give us a five-star review. We do this for you, for all our returning listeners. Thank you. We're always grateful for you joining us, whether you're listening to us on the podcast or watching us on YouTube. We appreciate you. We do this for you. If you haven't liked, followed, or subscribed, give us the love. We appreciate it. It's how other people hear about us. Do all those things and do them now. Nothing like a strong call to action. I felt like you should have been holding like a hypnotist thing there while you were saying that. That was my uh, stern. Make sure that they do it. Oh, man, I gave you a total opening. You're a Star Wars geek, man. You could have you could have used Jedi powered mind trick or something. Come on. that That's all you come up with, Stern? With the, with the hypnotist? I mean, I, yeah, I think you're getting your uh, genres mixed up there. I can do whatever I want. You're not my dad. <laughs> I'm not going to touch that one. Uh, but hey, how's uh, how's your February going? I'm a little concerned. I've set you up twice now, and and you haven't taken either one of the setups. All right, uh, February's good, man. February's good. I'm a little concerned about your health, but uh, <laughs> otherwise, it's fantastic. Been a heck of a start of the year. Very very busy, uh, and really just loving everybody we've been talking to over the last few weeks having a blast with the podcast so far this year i just feel like we're really leveling up with our guests and, and having a lot of fun and hopefully our listeners are getting the same experience and feeling themselves i want to remind our listeners that it is like a fresh start in february because we talked a lot in january about uh how resolutions fail and that's not a good start and now that you've gotten all those out of the way start fresh in february let's do it all those resolution experiments not coming out with the results we expected. Is that, is that it? Now it's time to set some goals and strategies and do it the right way. Now focus on the commitment and focus on the day-to-day -day decisions and choices. The results come, you'll hit the goals without even thinking about them. And there's no finish line stop that we run into. It's not a bad idea, Doc. So February, you got anything shifting for you or, or same old? I'm just uh, like ready for that we're two months into the first quarter already like this is it this that's how fast these months go flies absolutely flies but that's a good thing you know it keeps keeps us busy although they say you know if you do something like truly spectacular or unique uh it kind of slows everything down around you and it gives you almost like a uh a bookmark for that chapter in your life so maybe it's saying that you need to do something fun go out there do something different man all right. I'll see you all later. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, with that note, super excited to bring on our guest for today because this guy is unique. He is something different. He's an awesome guy. Couldn't be more excited. The first time I chatted with him, I was like, we need to get this guy on our podcast. And we super rushed him to get him in. Mr. Tyler Oli. Ty, what's Jay. up, man? 
Oh, not much, JB. Just really excited to be here with you and Doc and and have a wonderful conversation. I'm looking forward to this. Yeah, we're we're gonna have, we're gonna have a blast. Now you've got an awesome background, and I don't I don't want to steal your thunder. So do us a favor. Let our listeners know a little bit about who you are and what what makes you so special. Well, uh, <laughs> let's let's go in order. I'm a, a father. The pressure's a on. Husband. Yeah, an entrepreneur. Uh, best-selling author, uh, former child actor, lifelong performer, lover of warm beaches, and enjoyer of fine chocolates. And that's that's who I am in a nutshell. Being pulled into like multiple directions here, I'm torn almost. Um, whether I'm to talk, speechless. What to, what, what to talk about. Um, I, I'm, I'm getting snagged on chocolate, man. <laughs> that's right where I went. <laughs> <laughs> not yep. not an expected addition to that statement well, but because who doesn't enjoy fine chocolate one of the uh, joys that i get with my job and my chosen vocation of choice is a i get to travel a lot and b being a performer and somebody who's been on stage since i was six years old often you know when people who you know come to visit you during a performance uh they bring you either flowers or chocolates and as a guy i would get more chocolates than i would get flowers uh, although i love flowers it's fine uh but i've really enjoyed chocolates so like you know i know that i really enjoy toffee they're like they're uh, of all of the you know box chocolates that you can get at the supermarket and that are usually stocked up during Christmas, Toffee is my favorite. I have uh, a preference to you know Ferrero Rocher over like uh, what are the um, oh the, I can't remember the box, but it's the assortment and see I can't even think of it. But uh, I do like, like Russell Stovers or yeah, like the Russell Stovers ones or uh, oh uh, it's got the rainbow. I can't remember doesn't matter oh pot of gold pot of gold i'm not i don't like pot of gold there's too many in there that you like pick through you're like nah it's not but in my travel there goes that sponsorship i get to go to <laughs> yeah there goes that sponsor sorry guys <laughs> but i get some really good chocolates like we have some incredible chocolatiers uh locally where i am uh bernard calibo is is the one that i think about um but i you know in my travel like you know, I get to actually have Swiss chocolate from Switzerland, which is fantastic. Italy makes really good chocolates. Brazil is like where chocolate is chocolate. And, and um, you know, I, anytime I'm in Sao Paulo, I'm, I'm always going through the market looking for a good chocolate. So I, I, I'm a, I love chocolate. What can I say? It keeps the dementors away. <laughs> I'm I'm like starting to drool over here, you know. <laughs> it's I'm getting hungry just listening to you, and I'm not even a big sweets guy. I'm more of a salt guy, so you know it. <laughs> but salty I, I, so salted I, I, toffee, chocolate. There you go. Yes, it, it, exactly. And I'll say this: I'm a big believer in giving people chocolate. You know, for years, a external sales, and I always did end of year gifts. And two things. Um, for the most part, we're always big wins. You just had to make sure that they were appropriate. You don't give a diabetic chocolate and you don't give, uh, somebody who's sober alcohol, but those are the two probably most, uh, they're the gifts that always had people respond and go, Hey, thank you. That's the, this is good. Yeah, no, I, no, I, I, I defy you. And even, and that's the funny thing too, that you mentioned the diabetics, um, even a diabetic will be like, 
where's my blood sugar at? Maybe I need to boost it. I should just have one. One? Okay. I know because my father-in-law is diabetic and he, he knows how much I love the chocolate. And I see him go, mm. scan. Yep, one. Good, 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 good. That's awesome. Ty, so do us a favor, man. I mean, you share kind of all the things you're doing. You've got this incredible business you've built over the years and, and you're, you've got your hand in a lot of the different pots, I guess. Um, where did it really start? And no, I'm not going to ask what you started as a child actor, but where, where did everything start, man? What's so it's kind of the Genesis story here. Well, it, it did start with that first time on stage. So six years old, getting introduced to, uh, the joy and the wonder that is having a live audience give you a round of applause got me hooked on performance. And that really, uh, the die was cast at that point. You know, I really, really, really enjoyed being on stage. It was a thing that I pursued uh, relentlessly and still do. Like, you know, we're going on 36 years after the first time that I ever stepped on stage. Um, in fact, it would have been the 36th anniversary in December. And I, I've, I've, I've gone and, and everything in my life has always circled back to performance in some way. So I went to a fine arts high school. And then once I graduated from the fine arts high school, moved to uh, Vancouver, because in Canada, it's an epicenter for film, it's Hollywood North, and spent seven years after graduation doing nothing but acting and making that my sole vocation. Um, I did get really complacent in and around my mid 20s, where I'd been in the industry for 20 years. Most people who have done a job for 20 years decide to retire, and I was no different. It um, One of the things that I loved the most about performance when I was doing it was that it was play, and it was fun. And I could, you know, have different outlets and ways of expressing myself that just most people don't get to do. And I got to play with all kinds of amazing creative people, and it was just, it was, it was a fun job but in around my mid-20s it became a job and it stopped being fun and I still remember I, I remember distinctly the day that I decided to retire because I had moved from Vancouver to Penticton because I'd been doing very well and and had enough residuals coming in that I didn't you know I could kind of choose my lifestyle. So I didn't have to live right in Vancouver. And so I'd moved to the interior BC into the Okanagan, which is beautiful, beautiful country. Um, warm, warm, warm throughout most of the year. Even the winters are quite mild, great skiing, which I love to ski. So I'd, I'd moved to Penticton and was commuting about three hours for auditions, which is as an actor, easy to do. Cause you probably get, you know, when you're, at the time when it was really busy, maybe three or four auditions a week. If you was booking something maybe once or twice a month, you know, it was easy to come down for the film days and just kind of create my schedule around it. I had a, a little studio apartment down on the beach in Vancouver that, uh, that I maintained. And then my main residence was in Penticton, but it's a three hour commute. And I had come in for an audition was driving back and because it's interior in the mountains, you don't get cell reception for about a 45 minute stretch while we go through a national park. 
on on this highway and i was just about to reach that the dead zone for my cell phone and it rang and it was my agent and she goes uh they want you back for a callback i said great when and she goes right now <laughs> and in my head i was like oh do i have to like i'm halfway home i've been driving for an hour and a half do i have to turn around and go to this callback now most actors would sell their souls just for the audition and to get a call back they're like who do i need to do favors for to get this thing <laughs> and you know what what part of my soul how much do i need to give away where do i sign just to get the call back and i was going i don't really want to and it was in that moment that I realized that maybe I wasn't as dedicated as I needed to be. And there were other people who definitely would want it more than me. So I turned around, booked the part, ironically. And the funny thing is, is it's a, it's a fly-by-night role. Like, I, it might as well be an extra role. And I got paid as a principal performer, which is the second tier. So you have actor, which is less than eight lines, and then principal, which is more than eight lines. Remember, I didn't say a word, so I shouldn't have been paid for it uh, at that scale. And I got paid at triple rate. So my agent negotiated for me triple principal rate, which is an obnoxious amount of money, to essentially do a walk-on extra role. And I was like, do you know how many other people wanted that? And I just took it away from them and I couldn't have cared to even turn around and do the audition. So with the, I, I looked at my bank account, figured out what was going on. And I decided to uh, take a break from acting and go back and uh, use my residuals for good and go to school and get an engineering discipline. So I, at 25, retired, went back to school, got an engineering discipline behind my belt. I specialized in geomatics, which is a fancy word uh, for saying I studied the earth and did map making. And anybody who's seen Google Maps, I specialized in that aerial photography and creating what are called ortho photos. Those are the the Google Earth images. And that that's what I did. And I started my own company. That company failed miserably. But when you're in that line of work, your primary client is the government. And usually governments want you to have a health and safety system, especially when you're running three aircraft and have a, a, a small employee firm. I, I was employing about 10 uh, people at any given time. So having a health and safety program in place is very critical because people don't like it when planes drop out of the sky. And so I used that, that safety information that I had to gain when the company did collapse. A friend of mine who was in construction said, I have this big, big multi-billion dollar project up north and that I'm involved in, and I need a, a safety manager. You have all of this safety training from your company. Would you be interested in upgrading your um, certificate and, and becoming my safety manager? I said, sure, why not? And then when I was on that site, I was around a lot of uh, very large businesses. Like it was a very, very large construction site. Again, uh, just under a billion dollars uh, for this project. Wow. And they, you know, there were some huge executives that would walk through that building on a weekly basis. And we all have to have these safety meetings. And eventually they started 
to recognize that I was able to lead these safety meetings and they weren't boring. And they would ask me, what's your secret? And I said, well, hey, look, I, you know, I was an actor. I tried very hard in my professional um, capacity to kind of hide that and push it away and be like, we don't, we don't talk about Tyler before 25, <laughs> but they, they would all ask. And then they would start to Google. And then I'd have people come up to me and be like, is it true you were in Freddy versus Jason? I'm like, yeah. They're like, did you get to meet Freddy Krueger? I'm like, I actually morphed into Freddy Krueger. Yeah, I got to meet Robert Eglund. He's really cool. And they'd be like, were you in Carrie? I was like, yeah, I was in Carrie. And they would just list off and they'd ask. And, you know, and these are executive, you know, CEOs and CFOs in suits wearing construction hats coming to me all excited about a horror film that I did in my early 20s. And so uh, it was it was entertaining. And I would say, listen, this is this is the key to a good performance. And then eventually, um, one of the execs just asked me, he's like, hey, could I could I pay you to coach me how to do this? Because I have to give all these keynotes and I hate it. And I said, sure. He's like, uh, how much would it cost? The the other coach that I was uh, working with was was five um, K a month. I'm like, it won't be that much. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, in my eyes, I was just my mind was blown that people would pay that much for my knowledge. And at that point, then then the wheels of entrepreneurship began spinning again, because, again, I was I've been self-employed since I was six, essentially uh, from performance. And I've, I I grew up um, around entrepreneurial spirits. My uncle was very entrepreneurial. Uh, both of my uncles, actually, uh, one started a restaurant. My other uncle started his own mapping firm. He was the business model I was trying to uh, follow when I started my company. Um, uh, you know, my father was very entrepreneurial before he passed away. And uh, when my mom, the next serious relationship that she got into, he was uh, uh, very, very entrepreneurial as well, was a, a piano tuner and ran his own piano tuning business that was multi-provincial. So I... I was always of that nature. I could always see the opportunity when these people were going, well, hey, we'll pay you a large amount of money. I mean, I made more coaching the executive for a year on how to public speak than I was making as a safety manager. And I was making good money as a safety manager. So eventually what ended up happening was I, I combined it all together, created a training program. And now I have a two and a half day seminar, a five day workshop, and then private coaching to help um, particularly the C-suite and executive level uh, speakers who need to use communication effectively, but oftentimes either shy away from it because they don't like doing it or are, are really ineffective with their communication style um, and helping them fix it so that they have a better impact on the people that they're trying to lead. That's a, that's a heck of a journey, man. I mean, there, there's a, there's a lot there. I'm, I'm curious. Um, what what kind of was the experience when you first started working with uh, the these execs and these CEOs? Uh, and and I'm really curious what was what was their experience after working with you? Well, I'll tell you. At first, it was a little intimidating. Like I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to be like, oh no, it was easy. That was easy because I was doing my thing. I was like, I can't. I, there was at first this real hesitancy for me because they're paying me as an expert, and I'm like, I'm not an expert. You know, there was that uh, imposter syndrome almost until I, I had because I have a coach myself. I've long believed in coaching and I've um, 
I've had various coaches through my life, you know, because I've always had directors and, and, and people who have helped me with the acting. And then when I got into business, I definitely sought business coaches and my coach, she, she looked at me and she goes, well, Tyler, what makes an expert? And, you know, and it was like, oh, and you got the 10,000 hours. She goes, how many hours on stage do you think you have in your life? You know, let's actually break it down. And we did the math and I, I, you know, it was well over 20,000 hours that I've spent on stage. And then when you put on um, your, my film and television on top of that, I've, and I've been performing now coming up four decades. So yeah, I have an expertise in speaking from stage. And it wasn't until she framed that for me that I could really start to embrace, hey, I can do this. The hardest part is telling somebody who is in charge of $100 million corporation and is earning seven figures and is paying you five to six figures to help them with their communication strategies, um, that they suck on stage. <laughs> and, and being able to, to be honest with them in, in what they can do and what, what they are doing and what they can do to be better. Um, because they're, you know, money is one measure and it, I, it was, it was intimidating, uh, up front, but then I realized that they valued my input. And on top of that, mo one of the things that I like a lot about working with the executives is they don't have time to waste. So they want, they want the fix and they want it now. And you're like, okay, well, this is what you do and you do it now. And they're like, great. And they, and a lot of times they're, um, the people that I work with are very, uh, action oriented and implement right now. And those are the people that I love working with. And the other, um, group that I work with a lot and quite regularly who I just love are uh, charity directors because oftentimes they've gotten into this compassionate work for some reason, and they're afraid to tell their own story of to why they they got into this work. And subsequently, they have a hard time connecting with the people who could really use their help. And so helping charity directors um, step up and be the forefront of their own charity and so that they can do better works always makes me happy. And then working with the executives is great because nobody likes going to a boring meeting and knowing that you, they don't go up and speak just to speak, right? The information that they're presenting is important in some capacity and to make it better experience for them and for their employees is always rewarding for me. So having those people who take the action steps and to be able to give it to them and say, uh, very frankly, brutally and honestly, you got to do this. You got to stop doing this. Let's work on this. And hey, maybe share some personal stories. That's usually the hardest thing that I get. Uh, one of the things that I believe strongly is that the thing you're afraid to say is probably what your audience needs to hear. And getting executives um, out of that perfection mode and uh, this need to be flawless and to share some of their stories of the struggles that they had because um, it makes the accomplishments that much better uh, is usually the hardest thing that, that I have to overcome be like, Hey, look, if you interject, first of all, getting to know them, getting them to open up so that we can be honest with each other and then getting them to share that with their employees is usually the biggest struggle that I go through now. Have you ever had 
one of those moments where you realized, hey, I'm afraid to say something, and this is probably what my audience needs to hear? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, talking about my own stage fright. You know, I'm this professional communicator yeah. who goes up, and one of the reasons people are drawn to me is because I'm so confident on stage. Right. And they know that they can just hand me the mic. Like one of the reasons why I've gotten a lot of the opportunities that are coming up for me this year is because the people that I work with in a lot of the large um, productions that I'm involved with uh, from a not from a. Uh, like a entertainment perspective, but from um, an educational perspective, you know, a lot of the personal development seminars that I work closely with have recognized that they can basically throw me into anything and here's the microphone and I will go up and I don't, I don't, I don't even get phased anymore. Uh, often I should say, but I, so I did, I realized that one of the things that I was afraid to say was that I actually experienced stage fright and, you know, the instances that I have and why. And it was when I started sharing that story that, I got more people to gravitate to me because what the objection used to be was, yeah, yeah, this is great. You're, you're one of those weird five to 10% who love being on stage. What about the 77% of the rest of us out in the world who have anxiety around public speaking? You know, you don't know my struggle, Tyler. And it wasn't until I said, look, I remember the first time I had stage fright at 14. I remember the fear of judgment that I was somehow less than I remember physiologically how, you know, I, everything that happened to me, the, you know, the blood rushing from my body, uh, you know, being just burning up, feeling my ears on fire. And yet my hands were freezing cold, you know, my, my mouth completely and totally dry. And yet I was spitting ridiculously. Like, how does that happen? You know, and have, hearing the pulse in my ear going, and yet not being able to hear anything else. Like all of those things, like I, I understand when people say I have stage fright, stage fright is a real thing and I've experienced it, but I know that it doesn't have to be the norm that stage fright can be a one off. And a lot of people have had an experience and equated that to being what every experience will be instead of freeing themselves to understand that we don't always have to be afraid of our audience. In fact, our audience is very likely on our side. Nobody goes to a presentation and goes, Oh, I hope this sucks. I hope this speaker just bombs <laughs> and has absolutely nothing valuable to contribute to me. I I'm really hoping this will waste 45 minutes of my time. You know, nobody does that. They all, we go in eager anticipation and we're almost masochistic in it. I guarantee you at least once in your life, whoever, everybody in the audience right now at some point has heard a, 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 a movie review. They, their friends have panned it. They've been like, that was the worst movie ever. I can't believe it. And yet it'll be on TV late at night. And you're like, well, it can't be as bad as they figured. And what do you do? You turn it on. Because why? You're hoping. You're like, well, I can't be that bad. Can't be that bad. Escape from New York and was good. How can Escape from LA be that bad? <laughs> Sponsorship ruined. Sorry. Sorry, Doc. Sponsorship ruined. And, and you know, and then you watch it and you're like, no, 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 that that was that was terrible. That was really bad. But you want it to be good. And and that's the point. You, 
your audience is on your side, the expectation is that you will be good. And most of what's happening is internal here. We are projecting onto our audience our own insecurities. And if we can conquer those insecurities, there's no more stage fright. I, I, I love that, man. I mean, we, we talk about all the time on our end that, you know, this stage fright, if you think about who's in the audience, you either have uh, supporters or indifference. And it's really one or the other. I mean, there, there's never maliciousness sitting out there like, I hope he fails type of situation or she fails. No, it's like they either care and if they care, they want it to be good or they just don't give a crap. And it's, and they just yes. have to be there. And, and, and in that case, they're not listening anyways. Right? <laughs> you don't have their attention. There's nothing negative there. Well, and then here's the thing. I love the passively indifferent because they are the blank slate and the people who are on your side, great. They're on your side. You don't really have to work to earn their, their trust or their respects, but it's the people who are passively indifferent. That's the most rewarding when you can have somebody who came and was like, Oh, my boss told me I have to be here for the next eight hours. Ugh. You know, and they want to, all they want to do is find their cell phone and check what's going on and kind of be in the back. Those are the people who I love to win over. And that's, that's always the biggest reward for me is when you can take somebody from passively indifferent to a supporter. Cause you're right. If they were, if they actually weren't on your side, they just wouldn't show up. Like that's, that's the reality. We as a human species are incredibly self-serving and if we don't want to be somewhere, we will find a reason not to be right. I've got this other appointment. I've got this meeting. <laughs> I've got a <clears throat> cough and we shouldn't go anywhere if we <clears throat> got a cough so i should probably not show up and that is the reality that the people who are there as you said are either passively indifferent or they're on your side and they want you to succeed as uh, someone who ran a comedy club for a while i will say that is probably the one outlier because there are some people that love to go to a comedy club just to heckle the comedians and Watching some of the comedians shut that down has been fun. But I think that might be the one outlier that just came to mind. But here's the thing, Doc. Even the people who are heckling aren't there. They're, they're there with a malicious intent, but they actually don't want the comedian to fail. Do you know what I mean? They're they're there. They want it. They It's almost wanting to see what the response will be because what it's unbelievably narcissistic. When you are heckling a comedian, what you're really saying is, I want to be up yeah. on that stage and I'm not yet. And this is the way for me to steal some of that attention and get some of that thrill from you. They actually don't want the comedian to fail. What they want is the attention. Yeah, um, I and agree. I love watching comedians when they just destroy hecklers. That is one of my favorite YouTube <laughs> distractions on the planet is, is getting to see that happen. So I, I, I would agree that there is some narcissism in there. Uh, and that there is a little bit of <laughs> maliciousness in there, but I don't know that they actually want the comedian to fail. And Doc, I'll have you know, I've never heckled a comedian. I'm just, I, 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 I'm just saying that, man. Uh, but I, Ty, I agree with you. Did I you have to think... say that because you know you're a narcissist, or like, <laughs> what was the qualifier there, JB? <laughs> I think you call me out for being a little self-focused sometimes. Is all. I mean, I don't know. Uh, I agree though, Ty. I'm, I'm with you on this. Uh, I think people just they want to be on stage too, and this is their way of, oh, I can be on stage without having to actually maybe earn being on stage. 
uh, it's my cheap way or my, you know, hop on the train ride to, to get on stage and get my moment, you know, or five minutes or whatever it happens to be. I want to, I want to pull you back to, to something you said about turning the passively indifferent, which I love. I, I love how you, how you say that, um, and, and turning them around and taking that blank slate and turning them kind of almost into believers or, or people that did appreciate, is that your metric? Is that kind of how you judge yourself when you're giving a presentation at this point or what to you makes a great presentation might be a better question. Oh, well, uh, so two questions that you've asked, so we'll answer them both. Yes. It's one of the metrics that I look at. I always looked at how, did I convert a non-believer, right? And it's, it's important for me to know that uh, my message is resonating and landing. And that's one of the quick ways to do it. And you know who they are within the audience. And so you can usually tell if you're having an impact because they started the day very tuned out. And by the end of the day, they're nodding along or they're asking questions or they're, and especially if they ask a really engaged and informed question, uh, my heart sings because I'm like, yes, it landed because they're, 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 uh, using critical thought to ask a, an appropriate question in, in a fantastic way that is serving not only their understanding, but then my overall audience's understanding. And if I can get that from somebody who started the day very much disengaged and on their device and not really wanting to be there, uh, uh, that that is a true reward for me. And uh, the true metric of uh, how I know what if I judge that this performance was a success, uh, two ways, depending on the venue. If it's uh, just like a corporate training, getting the really good feedback at the end of the day on the anonymous surveys that I put out and reading some of those comments, um, you know, the, I find them uh, amazing when I can get that positive reinforcement that what I was doing was landing and working. And they're really helpful, too, because uh, sometimes you get that hey, this didn't land for me because of this and you can um, see if there's patterns in that that need to be addressed or if it was just some there's some of them are just one-offs because you're never going to win that person but if i see repeated patterns in maybe my delivery then i can start to augment it but in a in an auditorium style or a theater style setup uh obviously i know i've i've landed when i get a standing ovation i live for standing ovations i want standing ovations and in a, a lot of my training uh sessions one of the things that we'll do is is get people to experience what it's like to feel that because i think it's one of the most rewarding things on the planet that anybody can experience and, and it's how i know i've done good doc have you ever had a standing ovation all the time in my mind <laughs> those are the best Right. <laughs> the only ones that really matter. The ones up here. I mean, every time I say something to my dog, he gets up and comes running over. So I'm taking that as something too. <laughs> that Just counts. Take what you can. Yeah. You know what? Do you ever need a friend or to feel loved? Get yourself a dog. <laughs> and if you ever want to feel ignored in life, get yourself a cat. <laughs> I always wondered about that. Yeah. Well, or get married. Yeah. <laughs> You're talking to two guys who are married. You know that, right? Exactly. We, 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 we literally are. We cannot say a word here. We're no, not allowed. I, yeah. I plead the. That's why I said it for you. There goes my standing ovation with that crowd. Oh, yeah. Yeah. They're not sponsoring <laughs> us either. Thanks. <laughs> uh, Ty, you know, so really, really interesting. Uh, the transformation I'm sure you've seen 
with the clients that you've worked with is probably in a lot of ways dramatic. And I'm just in my head, I'm remembering back, you know, I, I come from a fortune 50 background. So I've heard CEOs speak, unfortunately, more often than maybe I'd like to hear CEOs and executives speak. Uh, I think there's a, a, a massive need for, for this, for this training. Um, what's some of the feedback you've heard from them after you've worked with them? Just kind of what, what impact does this training have? Because we're, we're huge believers in there being kind of a, a big need there that people ignore. Well, most of the feedback that I get, um, that like the, the real feedback that I enjoy is actually not feedback directly from the executives themselves, but from their employees. Um, so a lot of times I, I've, I have gotten emails, um, from people who are like, I just wanted to thank you. Uh, you know, we just had finished our, uh, annual AGM and, uh, you know, last year's was so boring and we know that XYZ was working with you and this year was so much better. Uh, or we were at our, our Christmas party and, you know, and, and this year we didn't have a coma. <laughs> I, I actually do remember the coma line uh, from a, a, a company that I worked with. And that is usually, um, that's, that's the one that, that where I know that I've actually done it right because, uh, the impact is measurable through the employee comments versus the CEOs. And one of the nice things that I hear a lot is, and again, this is stroking my ego, Tyler, you were right. Um, that's usually the feedback that I like the most from executives. Uh, usually it's around that you need to share some of your personal story and they will fight and they will push me on it and they will say why they shouldn't. And, um, I have a couple of different techniques that I use to get them to come around to it. Um, but I'm, I'm usually right. There's, I, I, I haven't, I have yet to give that advice and have it come back and bite me in the ass where somebody has been like, Oh, no, no, you, we really shouldn't have shared our personal story. No, you, it worked and it, it is an effective thing. And I think again, it's that, uh, letting go of the need for perfectionism. And uh, you can still share your story with professionalism and without having to have this, this constructed image, you know, this, this PR version of yourself uh, isn't necessary. And it, that is usually um, when I get the feedback from the clients one-on-one, -on -one, that's usually the one that, that matters the most to me. Uh, Tyler, you were right. Sharing my personal story really had impact. It really brought the level of buy-in up. Um, it brought the understanding up It made the presentation more interesting. Uh, the other one that I often point out to these executives is even if they're giving a keynote presentation and they've been given 45 minutes to talk, they don't need to talk for the full 45 minutes. You know, maybe you need to make sure that that time is filled but you don't need to talk. If you want to be really engaging, engage your audience. There's a really interesting study that was done that uh, pointed out if you're having a dialogue with your audience and that they are contributing and they are speaking, 
audience engagement is at 92%. If you are just having a monologue, which typically most executives think they need to do, the audience engagement goes down to 74% or 76% rather, 76. So there's a, a massive gap there that you can solve just by asking your audience questions. So it's going to be a little tongue in cheek statement here, Ty, but um, you, you mentioned getting a standing ovation is like your, your favorite thing in the world. But uh, I, I joke around with people that the favorite word in the world to them is always their name. And I think maybe the favorite, second favorite thing for people to hear is you're right. So Tyler, you're right. Is <laughs> That's a big boost in the arm. That does, that might be up yeah. there with the standing ovation. I'm not, I'm not sure. Uh, stand, well, standing ovation, uh, feel it's larger because that to me, every person who's standing and clapping is saying you're right in their head. Yep. So it's not just one-on-one. Yep. -on -one, it's like, you know, you're, you're getting that affirmation. Thousand, yeah. Thousand yeah. people being like, you're so right. Oh, you're right. And that that's what they're saying in my head. I love right, it. Doc. Uh, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> you forgot Ty or Tyler. Tyler, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> so funny side note for that is actually that's the worst thing we could ever hear in therapy is when they tell me I'm right because like, then it the the concept in that world which is different um is that they're letting me know that I'm right not actually taking ownership of the change so our goal in that world is to get them to say that's right as opposed to you're right um so it's a little different but it's a different concept because you're wanting to make the change um so there's slight little differences that in the different worlds that's very intriguing to me that's why i could never be a therapist could never do it that's right <laughs> that's right absolutely speaking of things that are right uh i heard there's an awesome thing that you have for our audience yeah there is actually and um i have a free facebook group that i run and I, I first of all, before people jump over and, and start to, to click on the link, uh, I want them to only go if it's a group that they're going to be engaged in. Like if you have made the commitment in your head that you want to get better at public speaking, then hop on into this group. If it's going to be one of those things that pings up in your notification, you're like, oh, I don't even know what endless stages is. Don't just don't. Um, because this group is for people who are looking to use their voice, who want to get better at getting their message out. And part of that means that you need to be actively engaged in the group uh, and saying things within it. And we will call you out for it. So know that there is accountability within this group. And I'm going to make sure that I'm doing the best that I can to serve all of the people in it. Uh, one of the things that I do is go live into the group every Tuesday. We do what's called Tyler's Tuesday Tips. It's a 20-minute training session, so most people can carve out the time to either watch it live or watch the replay when we can get a replay up. And it's, uh, you know, 35 years of public speaking condensed into these little 20 minute segments that I drip out to make sure that people are being served. And a lot of what I bring each week comes from the questions that come from the group the week before. So right. what are the main struggles that people are having? And I will go, okay, well, let's address that. Tyler's Tuesday tip will be about getting over stage fright or uh, crafting your story or whatever the struggle is that week within the group. And we go and we, we hit it. So if anybody is interested, that's uh, endless stages 
on Facebook if you want to search it, or we have the link that will send you to the landing page. I would strongly encourage you to go through the link because when you sign up through the link, we send you over a lot of freebies, including the method, which is an 11 page uh, mini booklet that I've put together with five insider secrets from my 35 years of public speaking. And we, we put you up for a couple of my free training videos and, and stuff like that. So you get a lot more freebies if you go through the link as opposed to just coming in through Facebook, which won't ever put you on the list and it'll just get you in the group. So grab the freebies if you can on uh, stages.seantylerfully.com. And it's, uh, it's my gift to your group, but, but only, only if they're going to give entrepreneurs mastery lab a five-star review. So that would be my request <laughs> from them. If they are going to go to my link before they do, uh, as a thank you to me, I would ask on your behalf that they give you a five-star review, uh, for, taking the time to give me the platform to speak to them today. Um, I know it's a difficult thing trying to put together a show and you guys are incredible hosts and I've really enjoyed my time here. So if they could just hit pause on whatever device they're on right now, go give the entrepreneur uh, mastery lab a, a quick uh, thumbs up, a like a five-star review, a share, whatever they can do uh, on their platform. That would be greatly appreciated on my behalf. And then they can go to state, stages at Sean, uh, stages.sean and sign up for the endless stages facebook group awesome, you're right man. there definitely right there we, we we appreciate you tyler thanks man and thanks for joining us we we loved having you in the lab great insight absolutely awesome well thanks for having me on jb thanks for having me on doc i appreciated every minute of it and i look forward to the next conversation we have oh yeah definitely be another. Man. thank you well, I, I got some great feedback there from Tyler, Doc. I just really, I love talking about public speaking. I love talking about presentation. Performance is fantastic. Um, the the comment on uh, the the passive indifference, I just 100% agreement on that. Very cool. Yeah, again, similar messaging to what we talk about all the time. Um, a lot of crossover. I feel like I say that a lot with our guests, but it shows that we're on the right path, that we're doing the same things that everybody that's successful in their world is doing because it brings value to the people that we work with. Um, and as someone like yourself, who is an expert in, in the presentation style and getting people on stage, I mean, I felt like I was listening to you talk for quite a while because it's, you know, just that similar same message. Yeah. Yeah. He and I are definitely cut from the same cloth in a lot of ways. Uh, my childhood didn't have any experiences in films per se, but uh, it just it could really vibe with Tyler and what he was saying. Home movies count. Yeah. <laughs> so as, as you heard the man, check out the Entrepreneur Mastery Lab. If you're not a part of it already, give us a five-star review here on the podcast. Uh, like, subscribe, follow, share, whatever you can do, and then get your butts on over to Tyler's Endless Stages uh, and make sure you join him there too, because he's doing some fantastic things with the people he's working with. And while you're in that joining mood, check us out on social media at jbandthedoctor.com or come by our website. Scroll around to there a little bit at jbandthedoctor.com. I think I said that twice, but at jbandthedoctor and jbandthedoctor.com. It's all the same. We'll forgive you, my friend. All right. JB out. Peace out, yo.